A Bad Day for Sales by Fritz Lieber. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dale Grothman. A Bad Day for Sales by Fritz Lieber. Don't wait to get them while they're hot. By then, it is too late to get them at all. The big bright doors of the office building parted with a pneumatic whoosh, and Robbie glided into Times Square. The crowd that had been watching the fifty-foot-tall girl on the clothing billboard get dressed, or reading the latest news about the hot truce scrawl itself in yard-high script, hurried to look. Robbie was still a novelty. Robbie was fun. For a little while yet, he could steal the show. But the attention did not make Robbie proud. He had no more emotion than the pink plastic giantess, who dressed and undressed endlessly, whether there was a crowd or the street was empty, and who never once blinked her blue mechanical eyes. But she merely drew business, while Robbie went out after it. For Robbie was the logical conclusion of the development of the vending machine. All the earlier ones had stood in one place on a floor, or hanging on a wall, and blankly delivered merchandise in return for coins, whereas Robbie searched for customers. He was the demonstration model of a line of sales robots to be manufactured by Schuler vending machines, provided the public invested enough in stocks to give the company capital to go into mass production. The publicity Robbie drew stimulated investments handsomely. It was amusing to see the TV and newspaper coverage of Robbie's selling, but not a fraction as much fun as being approached personally by him. Those who were usually bought anywhere from one to five hundred shares, if they had any money, and foresight enough to see that sales robots would eventually be on every street and highway in the country. Robbie radared the crowd, found that it surrounded him solidly, and stopped. With a carefully built-in sense of timing, he waited for the tension and expectation to mount before he began talking. "'Say, Ma, he doesn't look like a robot at all,' a child said. "'He looks like a turtle,' which was not completely inaccurate. The lower part of Robbie's body was a metal hemisphere hemmed with sponge rubber and not quite touching the sidewalk. The upper was a metal box with black holes in it. The box could swivel and duck a chromium-bright hoop-skirt with a turret on top. "'Reminds me too much of the little Joe Paratanks, a legless veteran of the Persian War muttered, and rapidly rolled himself away on wheels rather like Robbie's. His departure made it easier for some of those who knew about Robbie to open a path in the crowd. Robbie headed straight for the gap. The crowd whooped. Robbie glided very slowly down the path, deftly jogging aside, whenever he got too close to ankles in Skylon or Sockasons. The rubber buffer on his hoop-skirt was merely an added safeguard. The boy who had called Robbie a turtle jumped in the middle of the path and stood his ground, grinning foxily. Robbie stopped two feet short of him. The turret ducked. The crowd got quiet. "'Hello, youngster,' Robbie said in a voice that was smooth as that of a TV star and was, in fact, a recording of one. The boy stopped smiling. "'Hello,' he whispered. "'How old are you?' Robbie asked. 
Nine. No, eight. That's nice, Robbie observed. A metal arm shot down from his neck, stopped just short of the boy. The boy jerked back. For you, Robbie said. The boy gingerly took the red polylock from the neatly fashioned blunt metal claws and began to unwrap it. Nothing to say? asked Robbie. Uh, thank you. After a suitable pause, Robbie continued. And how about a nice refreshing drink of poppy pop to go with your poly lolly? The boy lifted his eyes, but didn't stop licking the candy. Robbie waggled his claws slightly. Just give me a quarter, and within five seconds, a little girl wiggled out of the forest of legs. Give me a polylop too, Robbie, she demanded. Rita, come back here, a woman in the third rank of the crowd called angrily. Robbie scanned the newcomer gravely. His reference silhouettes were not good enough to let him distinguish the sex of children, so he merely repeated, Hello, youngster. Rita, give me a polylop. Disregarding both remarks, for a good salesman is single-minded and does not waste bait. Robbie said winningly, I'll bet you read Junior Space Killers. Now I have here, uh-uh, I'm a girl. He got a polylop. At the word girl, Robbie broke off. Rather ponderously, he said, I'll bet you read G.G. Jones' Space Stripper. Now I have here the latest issue of that thrilling comic not yet in the stationary vending machines. Just give me fifty cents, and within five, please let me through, I'm her mother. A young woman in the front rank drawled over her powder-sprayed shoulders. I'll get her for you, and slithered out on six-inch platform shoes. Run away, children, she said nonchalantly. Lifting her arms behind her head, she pirouetted slowly before Robbie to show how much she did for the bolero half-jacket and her form-fitting slacks that melted into skylons just above the knees. The little girl glared at her. She ended the pirouette in profile. At this age level, Robbie's reference silhouettes permitted him to distinguish sex, though with occasional amusing and embarrassing miscalls. He whistled admiringly. The crowd cheered. Someone remarked critically to a friend, it would go over better if he were built more like a real robot, you know, like a man. The friend shook his head. This way it's subtler. No one in the crowd was watching the news script overhead as it scribbled, Ice pack for hot truce? Benedin hints Russ may yield on Pakistan. Robbie was saying, In the savage new glamour tint we have christened Mars blood, complete with spray applicator, and a fit-all nail stalls that mask every finger completely, except for the nails. Just give me five dollars. Uncrumpled bills may be fed into the revolving roller you see beside my arm. And within five seconds. No thanks, Robbie, the young woman yawned. Remember, Robbie persisted, for three more weeks seductivizing Mars blood will be unobtainable from any other robot or human vendor. No thanks. Robbie scanned the crowd resourcefully. Is there any gentleman here? he began, just as a woman elbowed her way through the front rank. I told you to come back, she snapped at the little girl. But I didn't get my polylop. Who would care to? Rita! Robbie cheated! Ow! 
Meanwhile, the young woman and the half-bolero had scanned the nearby gentleman on her own. Deciding that there was less than a fifty percent chance of any of them accepting the proposition Robbie seemed about to make, she took advantage of the scuffle to slither gracefully back into the ranks. Once again, the path was clear before Robbie. He paused, however, for a brief recapitulation of the more magical properties of Mars' blood, including a telling phrase about the passionate claws of the Martian sunrise. No one bought. It wasn't quite time. Soon enough, silver coins would be clinking, bills going through the rollers faster than laundry, and five hundred people struggling for the privilege of having their money taken away from them by America's first mobile sales robot. But there were still some tricks that Robbie had to do free, and one certainly should enjoy those before starting the more expensive fun. So Robbie moved on until he reached the curb. The variation in level was instantly sensed by his underscanners. He stopped. His head began to swivel. The crowd watched in eager silence. This was Robbie's best trick. Robbie's head stopped swiveling. His scanners had found the traffic light. It was green. Robbie edged forward, but then the light turned red. Robbie stopped again, still on the curb. The crowd softly awed its delight. It was wonderful to be alive and watching Robbie on such an exciting day. Alive and amused in the fresh, weather-controlled air, between the lines of bright skyscrapers with their winking windows, and under a sky so blue you could almost call it dark. But way, way up where the crowd could not see, the sky was darker still purple dark with stars showing and in that purple dark a silver green something the color of a bud plunged down at better than three miles a second the silver green was a newly developed paint that foiled radar robbie was saying while we wait for the light there's time for you youngsters to enjoy a nice refreshing poppy pop or for you adults only those over five feet tall are eligible to buy, to enjoy an exciting poppy-pop fizz. Just give me a quarter, or in the case of adults, one dollar and a quarter. I am licensed to dispense intoxicating liquors, and within five seconds. But that was not cutting it fine enough. Just three seconds later, the silver-green bud bloomed over Manhattan into a globular orange flower. The skyscrapers grew brighter and brighter still, the brightness of the inside of the sun. The windows winked blossoming white fire flowers. The crowd around Robbie bloomed too. Their clothes puffed into petals of flame. Their heads of hair were torches. The orange flower grew, stem and blossom. The blast came. The winking windows shattered tier by tier, became black holes. The walls bent, rocked, cracked. A stony dandruff flaked from their cornices. The flaming flowers on the sidewalk were all leveled at once. Robbie was shoved ten feet, his metal hoop skirt dimple regaining its shape. The blast ended. The orange flower, grown vast, vanished overhead on its huge magic beanstalk. It grew dark and very still. The cornice dandruff pattered down. 
a few small fragments rebounded from the metal hoop skirt. Robbie made some small, uncertain movements, as if feeling for broken bones. He was hunting for the traffic light, but it no longer shone either red or green. He slowly scanned a full circle. There was nothing anywhere to interest his reference silhouettes. Yet, whenever he tried to move, his underscanners warned him of low obstructions. It was very puzzling. The silence was disturbed by moans and a crackling sound, as faint at first as the scampering of distant rats. A seared man, his charred clothes fuming where the blast had blown out the fire, rose from the curb. Robbie scanned him. Good day, sir, Robbie said. Would you care for a smoke? A truly cool smoke? Now I have here the yet unmarketed brand, but the customer had run away screaming, and Robbie never ran after customers. Though he could follow them at a medium brisk roll, he worked his way along the curb where the men had sprawled, carefully keeping his distance from the low obstructions, some of which writhed now and then, forcing him to jaw. Shortly he reached a fire hydrant. He scanned it. His electronic vision, though it still worked, had been somewhat blurred by the blast. Hello, youngster, Robbie said. Then after a long pause, Cat got your tongue? Well, I have a little present for you, a nice, lovely polylop. Take it, youngster, he said after another pause. It's for you. Don't be afraid. His attention was distracted by other customers, who began to rise up oddly here and there, twisting forms that confused his reference silhouettes and would not stay to be scanned properly. One cried, Water! But no quarter clinked in Robbie's claws when he caught the word and suggested, How about a nice refreshing drink of poppy-pop? The rat crackling from the flames had become a jungle mutter. The blind windows began to wink fire again. A little girl marched, stepping neatly over arms and legs she did not look at. A white dress, and the once taller bodies around her, had shielded her from the brilliance and the blast. Her eyes were fixed on Robbie. In them was the same imperious confidence, though none of the delight with which she had watched him earlier. Help me, Robbie, she said. I want my mother. Hello, youngster, Robbie said. What would you like? Comics? Candy? Where is she, Robbie? Take me to her. Balloons? Would you like to watch me blow up a balloon? The little girl began to cry. The sound triggered off another of Robbie's novelty circuits, a service feature that had brought in a lot of favorable publicity. Is something wrong? he asked. Are you in trouble? Are you lost? Yes, Robbie, take me to my mother. Stay right here, Robbie said reassuringly, and don't be frightened. I will call a policeman. He whistled shrilly twice. Time passed. Robbie whistled again. The windows flared and roared. The little girl begged, Take me away, Robbie, and jumped onto the little step in his hoop skirt. Give me a dime, Robbie said. The little girl found one in her pocket and put it in his claws. Your weight, Robbie said, is fifty-four and one-half pounds. 
Have you seen my daughter? Have you seen her? A woman was crying somewhere. I left her watching that thing while I stepped inside. Rita! Robbie, help me, the little girl began babbling at her. He knew I was lost. He even called the police, but they didn't come. He weighed me, too, didn't you, Robbie? But Robbie had gone off to peddle Poppy Pop to the members of the rescue squad, which had just come around the corner, more robot-like in their asbestos suits than he in his metal skin. End of A Bad Day for Sales by Fritz Lieber This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org.